Well, good morning, everybody. We really are glad and honored that you are a part of this service today, and I really do mean it when I say that I hope today, so far, this service has been meaningful to you, and it's been a great experience, not just uh, an experience with God, but also a great experience with uh, some other people that you've hopefully connected with. And I know you've heard us say this already today in this service, but we really do mean it. We want you to engage with us and connect with us by using your phone right here in the service. Yes, it is okay for you to have your phone out in church. And uh, one great way that you can do that right now is, uh, as we said, go to ashleyparkchurch.com and you're going to find some notes on the talk that I'm about to give today, and you can follow along with the verses and some of the main points of the talk, and you'll be able to add some of your own and even email those to yourself. So that's a great way to connect while I'm talking. But uh, even more important than that, uh, I just also want to say to those of you who are new to CCC, or maybe you've been around here for a few weeks and you just never done this, I really would like to encourage you to go to ashleyparkchurch.com and click the I'm new here uh, button there and or that card there and, and fill out the form that's found behind that card. And I'll tell you why we want you to do this. First of all, all we're asking for is just your name, an email, and a phone number, just a way that we can reach out and contact you. Uh, there's a free gift there for you as well, but really the main reason we want you to do this is because we know that if you're new here today, you came for a reason. I mean, maybe you came because you were looking to learn something or to find out more about uh, what goes on here. Maybe you were looking to connect with some people, to meet someone, or to have some sort of experience. And we believe that it was God who brought you here for that reason. And so the reason we reach out and want to connect with you is we want to be a part of that. We want to uh, be a part of, of, of making that connection and, and, and partnering with God and what he's doing in your life. And so, uh, again, we would be so honored if you would reach out to us. Your campus pastor would just uh, send you something this week to say thanks and to reach out and see how uh, he could serve you better or we can, what we can do for you. And, again, we would be honored if you would do that. And thanks in advance for those of you who are reaching out and connecting with us. Well, today we come to the end of a series. We've been focusing on what has become Jesus' most famous sermon, and it is the talk that, uh, probably one of the longest talks that we have that Jesus gave, and Jesus has talked about lots of different topics, but today the thing that we're going to uh, learn from Jesus about is something that I think every single person here today is going to relate to. I think every one of us struggles with this. I also believe that if we were to be able to somehow uh, erase this struggle from our lives, I'm not even sure you would recognize what your life would look like without it because I think most of us, well, it's just, we just become so accustomed to having this thing as a part of our lives. And as I said, I think it, it would change us completely if we were to eliminate it uh, from our lives. You probably can't even imagine your life without it. Now you're already saying, what is he talking about? What's the thing that Jesus is going to talk to us about? Well, it's worry. It's worry. And, you know, I thought about worry as I was preparing for this talk, and um, I thought to myself, has there been a time in my life when worry wasn't a constant companion of mine or something that at least I I thought about from time to time. And I'll just be honest, it was very difficult to think of a time in my life when worry wasn't a part of, of my thought process or my existence. Even the oldest memories that I have, going as far back as I can remember, I can remember 
worry being a part of that. I, I can remember being a little boy in school, just, just starting out, and, and, and I would worry about, can I get the assignments done that my teacher has given me? And I would worry about, uh, you know, will I get in trouble if I say a bad word, and what will happen to me, and little things like that. I, I would worry about some of the little kids teasing me, or just, just things like that, just regular little everyday stuff that my little brain would just worry about. Then I grew up, and I became a teenager, and then I started worrying about zits and clothes and shoes and what the girls thought about me at school. And then I started thinking about grades and GPAs and SATs and what kind of college I was going to go to and what if I chose the wrong college or what if I wound up choosing the wrong career and I wound up in a job that I was going to hate for the rest of my life and I was going to be miserable. And then I got into my 20s and I started worrying about adult stuff, you know, like uh, rent and mortgages and taxes and insurance and paying all the bills. And I worried about, uh, am I going to find a girl who will actually want to be with me and, 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 and marry me? And then when I found one, I worried if maybe one day she's going to get tired of me and she's going to leave. And how's that going to work out? And, and you have those kind of thoughts. I, I, once I got married, I worried whether we were ever going to be able to bring a healthy baby into the world because many of you know that was a struggle for us in the beginning. And then once we finally did have kids, all of those worries went out the window and then they got replaced with a whole stack of new ones and they sounded like this. Oh crap, I'm a dad <laughs> and I have no clue what I'm doing. In fact, I remember thinking this to myself. I cannot imagine my parents feeling as clueless as I feel right now when I first became a parent. There's no way they were as clueless as me. I've worried about later in my future, will I have enough to retire on? I've worried that I'm not a good enough pastor. I worried about writing this message that is about worry. <laughs> can you relate? <laughs> I bet you can. I mean, it just seems like worry is a constant companion throughout almost every part of our lives when we allow it to be. I mean, <laughs> have you ever felt that way? But whether you have or not, I, I think all of us can agree on this, that worry is not your friend. See, worry is, is this thing that is constantly trying to get you and me to go live in a future that we haven't, that we haven't reached yet and that we can't control. It, it just takes us there constantly, and it causes me to miss this moment that I'm living in, which is really the only moment where I can actually experience joy and peace and gratitude. I think of it this way, worry is like, it's like a stomach that never gets full. I mean, you keep feeding that sucker, and it, it doesn't matter, it's, it still wants more. Worry, it, it's just like a never-ending pit. I mean, you've never, you've never had this experience where you're worrying about something, you worry and you worry and you worry, and then all of a sudden you get to the end of it and you go, oh, I've worried enough, it's all done. You've never had that experience. Worry is like a bottomless pit, it never ends. It's sneaky, it attaches itself to almost everything in our lives. But here's what I want to say to you, and this is what we're going to learn today. Jesus hates worry, absolutely hates it. He hates what it does to people. He hates that it makes us small and selfish and timid and angry. Jesus hates how it steals your joy, how it kills your dreams, how it wastes your day one hour at a time. But please don't miss what I'm about to say because this is so very important and I don't want you to miss it. So if you've checked out already, go ahead and check back in. Jesus hates worry. But here's the good news. Jesus loves worriers. And if you're here today and you would call yourself a worrier, 
then Jesus has a great amount of compassion for you. And he loves you tremendously. And I also want to say this. I know that there are some of you here today tuning in and you suffer from chronic worry or what you might consider and call anxiety or maybe even panic attacks. And maybe you've been made to feel in the past like it's all your fault and Maybe there have even been some well-meaning Christians who have said to you, hey, you just need to have more faith. You just need to suck it up or whatever. And, and that just made you feel worse. And, and I just want to say right up front, I, I would never presume to understand how you feel. I don't know how you feel. But there's one thing I can say with absolute confidence, and it's this. God knows. He knows exactly how you feel. And he cares. And we're going to read some words here in just a minute that Jesus said about worry. And before I read them, I want you to hear me say this. Jesus, what he is about to say to us, did not say these words in order to add to our burden of worry. He's not trying to add to our burden. It's the opposite. Jesus wants to lighten your burden. So if you read these words and that's immediately where, how you start to feel, just know that you've, you've misunderstood Jesus. And I hope to help you see that as we move along. Jesus is not trying to add to your burden. He wants to lighten it. So remember that as we read these words. So let's look at what Jesus has to say about worry. He said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Just look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. So if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is just thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, I just heard a, a talk about this topic given by a, a writer and author that I just admire a whole lot. His name is John Ortberg, and he used a diagram <clears throat> that gives a picture that illustrates precisely what Jesus is trying to describe to us here, the kind of life that Jesus is, is inviting us to. And this is Jesus basically teaching us how to do life beyond worry. He's describing a life that exists beyond worry, not where worry is a constant companion, but life has moved past that. It's, it's in a different place. He talks about living one day at a time. And so I want to draw that di diagram for you just to give you a picture of what this might look like if you were to think about it. And, and, and it helped me understand it. So uh, I'll see if I can uh, do justice to it here. Uh, here's, here's how you can think about it. Think about your life, and you are a creature that exists in time. We live in time, and time often is depicted like a straight line. So you can think of the time that you live kind of like this straight line that goes straight across like this. And over here uh, is your past, right? You live, you, you have a past. Everybody has a past. And then over here, we see our future, 
right? Now, you don't live in the past, you don't live in the future, neither do I. We exist right here in the middle. We exist right between our past and our future. So we're looking back on the past and we're looking forward to our future. Now, when we look back on our past, we have, uh, well, a tendency. And one of the tendencies we have is we look back with regret, right? That's what a lot of us do. But there's another choice, and this is what Jesus is inviting us to. He's inviting us to not look back on our past with regret, uh, but to look back on our past with gratitude. And when we look forward to our future, we have a choice. We can, most of us, look forward to our future with fear. That's where the worry and the anxiety comes in, right? We look to our future, and, we, and it's uncertain. We don't know, and so we fear. But Jesus invites us to, when we look forward to our future, to look forward with something else, and that is hope. And so we live right here in the center, and the truth is the only moment that we can experience God is in the right here in the right now, right in between our past and our future. And so we, Jesus invites us to look back with gratitude and to look forward uh, with hope. But we also are creatures who don't just live in time, we live in space. And I'll draw another line that, that represents that. And it looks like this. And if you want to think of it this way, up here we'll say is your inner life. Your inner life is, uh, is your thoughts, your emotions, everything that exists up here in your brain. You know, That's your inner life where all of that stuff takes place. Down here is, your, is the outer world. And, of course, that makes sense. That's the world that God created us to live in. It's, it's nature and, 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 the, and the whole world. But specifically, it's the people that we come in contact with most often. And, and, that's, and, and what happens is we live in space. So, literally, we live right here at the intersection of where our inner life meets the outer world, okay, where we interact with that. And Jesus is inviting us to do that a couple of ways. Jesus invites us to live in our inner life, in our minds, with peace. And, he, and, and you'll, you'll find this taught in Scripture. You know, there's a verse that says, May the peace of God guard your heart and your mind. Uh, that's how we were intended to live, with peace in our minds. And then God invites us to engage our outer world, the people specifically that we come in contact with, with love. And so if, if, if you're paying attention... <laughs> And you notice uh, the shape that this takes. It's almost as if we live our lives right in the center of what looks like a cross. Many scholars have called this the cruciform life, if, if you care about that kind of thing. But basically, uh, we live here in the center between our past and our future. Because we can't live in the past. The past has already happened. You know, it's already done. We can't live in the future. It hasn't happened yet. We live right here in the middle. And, and we live at the intersection of our inner, inner life and the outer world that, that exists around us. And God is inviting us to live this way. Now, I put together a graphic that you're going to see come up on the screen, and, and it sort of pulls all of this together. We'll bring that up uh, right now. Um, and here's what we're invited to live. This is how we're invited to live. This is the life that Jesus invites us to. We're living right in the center with him in the present as we remember our past with gratitude, we anticipate the future with hope. We dwell in our minds, our inner lives with peace, and we engage the world around us with love. Now, um, if, 
if you're interested in keeping that graphic, uh, it's found also on ashleyparkchurch.com and the notes section. I've got that there for you. You can take it home with you and use it if you'd like to. But see, this is how Jesus can say to us, don't worry. See, because this is not Jesus giving you another rule to live by. Jesus is not saying, hey, don't worry because God's going to be mad at you if you worry. Remember, Jesus isn't trying to add to the burden. He's trying to lift it. Now, what Jesus is saying is, look, you don't have to worry because often there's just something that you've forgotten. You don't have to worry because you live right here. You live right now in this moment where God is, and he is with you. And God is right in the center. And in your cross-shaped life, where you live in time and in space, you are safe. You are in the hands of your heavenly Father. I want you to think of it this way. When Jesus says, don't worry, it's like a child who wakes up in the middle of the night and they've had a bad dream and he or she's crying, okay? And what does a good parent do? Well, they run into the room, they scoop the child up in their arms, and they hold them close, and, 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 a, and a good parent says, Honey, shh, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't worry. Everything's okay, right? Don't cry. Now, when a parent says, Don't cry, don't, don't be afraid, are they giving a command? Is the parent scolding the child for being afraid? No. The parent is simply reminding the child of what's true. You're safe. You're here. You're in this moment. You're with me. You're not in the future. You're not in the past. All of that's, diff- all of that's irrelevant. You're right here with me. So don't be afraid and don't worry. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage when he says, hey, don't worry. He's not scolding you. He's not commanding you. He's reminding you of what's real. And he's reassuring you of where you live. You are in this moment. You're with your heavenly father. And he has everything under control. It's why Jesus says, hey, listen, think about birds for a second. You're like, why is he talking about birds? No, just think about the birds. All these, these sparrows, how much do they cost? Five sparrows or what? Two pennies? He says, and you know God's watching them. He knows all about them. And you're so much more valuable than that. Why do you not think that God will care for you? Why do you not think that God is with you in every moment? Just think about it. It makes sense. Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking at this point. You're thinking to yourself, well, all that sounds good. That's, that's real comforting, but I'll just tell you, I don't feel it. I don't feel like where I'm at in my life right now, I don't feel like God is with me. I don't feel like God's taking care of me because I don't have the life that I wanted. I don't have the job that I want. I don't have the house I want or the money I want or the spouse I want or the family that I want. I don't think God really cares all that much for me at all the way my life looks right now. And I just want to say something to you. And, and, I, and listen, I don't mean this to be harsh, but I'm bound to tell you the truth. And, and I, want, I want you to hear the truth. And this is true. Your problem is mostly with perspective. If you change your perspective, you'd see it differently. And here's what I mean. Regardless of what you have or what you don't have at the moment, here's what I know for sure. I guarantee you that there are people all over this planet right now who would line up around the block for a chance to trade places with you. They would. There is someone, there's lots of people in this world who would love to wake up in your same old house 
with your same old spouse, with, with your same old paycheck, driving your same old car, with your same old issues. There's people that would actually trade places with you. They would take on your hurts, your pain, your problems, your struggles. Because one day in your life would be like the greatest day in theirs. And my point is this. It really comes down to your perspective. And the Bible is just covered with these promises that echo exactly what Jesus is saying to us in these verses. What he's teaching us about worry. I'll just share a few few of them with you. Jesus in another place said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In another place the scriptures say, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And my personal favorite, for I'm convinced that neither death or life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the, pa- nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you and me from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus." This is what Jesus is trying to tell us. Now, we can choose to believe him or not, but this is what he says. He's saying, look, things are not just better than you think they are. Things are infinitely better than you think they are. Things are not just going to turn out well. They're going to turn out better than you could ever imagine. All those things that you and I are worried about right now, whatever it is, whether it be pain or injustice or suffering or death, it doesn't matter, all of those things, are going to be done away with in the kingdom of God that is coming into this world. It's the kingdom that we've been learning about in this series that is already beginning to break through in this world. That kingdom where Jesus invites us, where we can live, where we're right here in the center, we're right there at the intersection of the past and the present and and everything, where God is. That's where you can live and be safe in the palm of his hand. I have to share this story with you. I was um, <clears throat> just meeting with a friend of mine. In fact, I've, I've been hanging out with this guy recently. He's, he's a little older than me, so he's got a, a little bit of, uh, more experience than I do. He's also detached from my typical world, so he's, a, he's got a different perspective on life than, than I typically have, and he's been really helping me see some things clearly. And uh, he and I were talking one day, and he's, he says, he said, Jason, I want to ask you a question. He said, Estimate how, how many struggles or problems or crises have you ever gone through in your life? And I'm like, my whole life? He said, yeah, just, just ballpark it. How many do you think? And I sat and thought for a minute, and I thought to myself, I can't even count them. So I said to him, I said, I don't know. I, I couldn't even count how many hard times I've been through. They probably number in the hundreds of thousands. He said, okay. He said, uh, then, then let me ask you this. He said, um, how many of those problems or, or hard times or crises have you gotten through? And I thought about it for a second, and I said, well, I guess all of them, because if not, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. He looked me right in the eye, and he said, exactly. And then he said, Jason, you have managed to come through every challenge, every crisis, every tough moment that you have ever encountered in your life. So let me ask you, what do you think is going to happen with the one you're in right now? And I looked back at him and I said, I'm going to come through that one too. He said, exactly. You're going to come through that one too. And then he made this statement that has stuck with me and I just wanted to share it with you. 
and I don't think I'll ever forget it. He said this. He said, the question is not if you're going to get through. The question is how. See, the question is not if you're going to get through. You've come through all of them so far. You're going to get through this one too. The question's not if. It's how. And I believe that's the question for you as well. That's why Jesus didn't just command you and me not to worry. Because Jesus knows, as you already know, that never works, does it? I mean, you've never stopped worrying by just walking out the door and trying really hard to stop worrying. You've never accomplished that. So what Jesus does is he does something else. He doesn't just tell us to stop. He offers us an alternative. It's an invitation. It's in verse 33. Let's read it again. He said, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, they'll be given to you as well. In other words, what Jesus said was, make it your top priority to get in on what God is doing. Make it your priority to have God's goodness, his character, shape your character. Make it your priority to love God, to follow God, to serve God, to think about God, be surrendered to God, to find God in every single moment, to seek God's face in every other person's face, to hear his voice in every circumstance, to rearrange your way of life around this new opportunity to follow Jesus in his way of life. And you do this one day at a time. You live, again, you live right in the center. You don't go back to the past because you can't live there. You don't, and you don't reach into tomorrow because you can't live there either. But you live right now. And you focus not on the if, you focus on the how. Because see, when you focus on the if I'm going to get through this, all it does is overwhelm you. I'll give you an example. Think of it this way. The uh, Department of Agriculture in our country has estimated, because they do studies like this, they've estimated that throughout your lifetime, the average American, you wind up eating 1,996 pounds of food. We'll just round that up and say 2,000 pounds of food. Okay, That's what the average American eats in a year. Okay, all right, or, or in, 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 an, in, an average, in an average year, that's what I meant. So now, imagine for just a second, okay, imagine for a second that I were to put you in a room with the amount of food that you would wind up eating in an entire lifetime. Like, for instance, and they've, they've parsed this out, it would wind up being like 42,000 pounds of dairy, 14,000 pounds of meat, 7,000 pounds of butter and fat, and so forth. I mean, just this massive amount. I mean, let's say you live an average of about 75 years. That's about 75 tons of food. And I put you in a warehouse with 75 tons of food, and I said to you, I want you to eat all of that food. Would you feel overwhelmed? Well, of course you would. But you're going to do it. Every one of us do. Now, what's the secret to putting away 75 tons of food? How do we do that? Very simple. One bite at a time, one meal at a time, one day at a time. So here's the question, and you know where this is going. How are you going to face all of the heartbreak that life holds for you? How are you going to deal with all the problems? How are you going to handle all the disappointments, all the losses, all the grief, that are coming your way the same way. One day at a time. One moment at a time. See, a lot of us get this idea that the way we overcome worry is we've got to figure out how to arrange our life so that bad stuff stops happening to us. See, if I could get less stuff to worry about, then I won't worry, right? 
And then many of us, we approach God this way. We become followers of Jesus. We become a Christian, and we think to ourselves, well, if I become a Christian, and if I have enough faith, well, then that's God's job. God's job will be to protect me and to keep me from having all this bad stuff happen. If I just, if I just believe hard enough, if I just have enough faith, if I trust God enough, then he'll keep all the bad things from happening to me. And then I won't worry. And Jesus never said that. Jesus never said it. Jesus never said, hey, don't worry about tomorrow because if you just have enough faith, God's going to take care of that and you don't have anything bad happen to you. Jesus never said that. But I'll show you what Jesus did say. He said, don't worry about tomorrow so tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough what? Enough trouble of its own. Jesus promised there would be trouble. But he also promised he'd be with us. I want to finish by telling you uh, a true story that I heard uh, a while back from a preacher, and it stuck with me so much that I just, I just had to share it with you because I think it'll help some of us. It'll give us, a, again, a new perspective on this topic. And I'm going to tell you the story from his perspective, the way he told it, because it was his story and it's what happened to him. But it just so resonated with me when I heard it. So he, he, he says, says it this way. He says, my family and I, uh, we were going on a vacation years and years ago, and we were headed to California. And this is, these are the days before the Internet. It was before uh, cell phones and all of that stuff. And, and he said, we were headed out on this, va- this road trip, this vacation. He said, and I took my MasterCard with me, my credit card. He said, but it was one of those credit cards that I didn't use very much. It was just really something that I held on to for emergencies, and I had it with me. He said, and somewhere during this vacation, I lost my credit card, and I had no idea where I'd lost it. Could He said, I don't know. It could have been somewhere on a beach in Coronado. It could have been in, in some uh, fruit shop in Tijuana at the Seal Show at SeaWorld or, or at one of the hundreds of McDonald's I feel like we stopped along the way. He said, but it could have been anywhere in anybody's possession doing God knows what, buying God knows what with my credit card. And he said, now normally, when, I, w- w- when this would happen to me, I would, I would have panicked. I would have been worried about losing my money and finding the card and canceling the card because at that point, you'd have had to find a phone and, and figure it all out. And, and keeping, he said, it would have pretty much ruined my vacation. But this time, he said it was different. He said, this time, I didn't worry at all. I was completely calm. I didn't get angry. I didn't get frustrated. I wasn't short with my family. I was, I was relaxed. I completely trusted God. And I enjoyed the entire vacation and my family, and I had a ball. And then he said, you want to know what the secret to my happiness was, how I was able not to worry? He said, it's very simple. I didn't know that I'd lost it. He goes on to tell the story. He said, we stopped at a friend's house that I wanted to visit while we were in California. And while we were at the house, he said, somehow it just fell out of my pocket or my wallet. And he said, we left, and my friend noticed that it was lying on the floor, and, and he wasn't able to catch us before we'd left. And again, it was before cell phones. He said, so he didn't know how to get in touch with me. He didn't know where we were headed. He couldn't, he couldn't call me. He said, so what my friend did was he picked up my credit card. He put it into an envelope, put my address on it, put a stamp on it, and put it in the mail. And so the entire trip, the rest of the trip, my credit card was in the mail headed back to my house, and it was waiting for me at my house when I got home. 
He said, I got home and I opened up that envelope and I stood there and I held that card and I thought about how worried and frustrated and irritable I would have been on that vacation if I had known that the card was lost. But he said, the whole time, if I'd done that, all my anxiety, all of my worry, all of that damage that I would have done to me and to the people around me would have been totally useless. Why? Because the answer to my worries was in the mail on its way to me. And he finished the story by saying this. He said, the lesson that I learned that day was this. That by the time we figure out that we have a problem in our lives, God has already begun to work on the solution. Every time we start to worry about whether or not we're going to make it through this hard time or that hard time, the truth is God has already begun to work it out. And, and not if, but how we're going to get through it. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I can cast my cares on him because my cares, my worries are as unnecessary as me worrying about a lost credit card that was on its way to my house. Are you worried about anything today? Anything at all? Is your mind constantly carrying you into a future that hasn't happened yet? Are you wondering if you're going to make it through what's coming? Jesus has good news for the worriers today. God already knows. And he's already there. And he's working out everything for your good if you will trust him. So today, I've asked the band at all of our campuses to come back on the stage right now. And I've asked them to lead us in singing the song that you were introduced to earlier in this service. And I want you to sing these words again. And I want you to hear these words again. And I want you to think about these words again. And as, as they play this song for us and they lead us, I want you just to absorb these words. And I want you to remember these words, they are true. And because they are true, you and I no longer have to be slaves to our fears or our worries.